Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. The Steelers show. Yeah, it is that time again. The only thing that is not great is we're not talking about a game because, you know, that's still about five months away. But it's Friday and a week from today, we are going to be talking about the first round of the NFL draft on this very show. So I cannot wait. I'm feeling good. It is that close, KT Smith. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I just, you know, first of all, let me set the scene for you here real quick. My son is having a buddy over for a little sleepover. And the office where I uh, usually do these podcasts is upstairs next to his bedroom. But they're, they're kind of tearing apart the upstairs. So I had to come downstairs into my daughter's playroom. <laughs> so I am, I am, I am uh, recording this show surrounded by stuffed unicorns and Barbies. So, oh, man, I, I feel, wish this I feel was... like a real tough guy right now. If this was a YouTube show, that'd be great. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Just like the Rock made the fanny pack tough, you could make that room look tough. <laughs> I don't know. It's a big challenge right now. There's a giant <laughs> princess queen uh, staring me right in the face right now. So uh, I tell you what, I. I miss those days. My daughter's 12. So she's, she's kind of teetering on between, but there's now makeup showing up in the house and they're talking about boys and there's this boy drama. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? It's so much easier to talk about the Steelers and that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I I was, I was, uh, the draft gets me so, you get so excited. We, we compare it to Christmas all the time, but, but I'll, I'll give you another comparison real quick. I have been for 30 years a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I mean, they're nice. absolutely uh, just one of my favorite bands on the planet. And I've seen them all over, you know, many, many times, et cetera. But they put out a record uh, for the first time in six years. And it came out this month. And they're reuniting with John Frusciante, who's kind of their their, their guitar player. Oh, I know Frusciante. Okay, yeah. So he's I was going to bring him up and you beat me to it. Yeah, so he so this is the first studio record they've made with him in 16 years, and I have been looking forward to it so much. And I finally got a chance in the last two weeks to really sink into it, and it's so fabulous. And and I and it it just it 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 brings back such great memories for me, and and it's fresh, it's familiar, but it's fresh. And uh, and it, anyway, I've, I've been thinking about that in comparison to the draft because. The draft is just this thing that you wait for and you wait for and you wait for. And and then you just hope that it turns out to be good, like a like a good record. When the record's a flop, it's kind of like when your first round draft pick flops. So hopefully this this parallel between the Chili Peppers and what the Steelers are going to do a week from now will be uh, will be, you know, an accurate one. I love it, man. That is great. Now, I'm the king of getting off topic, but, you know one of my favorite movies of all time, especially at Christmas time, not just die hard, but it's lethal weapon. Yeah. And do you remember that little scene at the beginning? It's with the Christmas trees at the tree lot and Mel Gibson is saying, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, shoot this punk, shoot this punk. And the guy's wearing red and black flannel and he's got like long greasy hair and it's pulled back. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. You know who that is? Oh, his last name's Ketis, and his son is Anthony. Red Hot Chili Peppers' dad. Oh, really? Yep. I knew, I knew he was like a small-time uh, actor. 
Yeah. I didn't know that, that he had that role. That's cool. That's really interesting. Apparently he's, he's a train wreck or was a train wreck back then, but really interesting stuff. And that is my favorite movie. I, I yeah. could quote lethal weapon. I love die hard, but lethal weapon I could quote all day. So well, Anthony, we- uh, Anthony has a, has a, a, a little cameo in the original point break. So yes he and, does and of course, yeah and and flea's in the big lebowski so these guys have covered some some ground here i think flea's been the, well flea was in back to the future part two and three i did not see either one i know he's you're needles disappointed he's needles in back to the future two and three he is a small part but he's the guy who uh gives marty mcfly jr uh problems and tries to get him into trouble and so yeah that's flea there we go i mean all right. Let's flee from this conversation. I yeah, can talk I about you. this all day. That's, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's focus. But we, we've got to get into it. And there's some good stuff. I mean, yep. some really good stuff coming out this week. So on Thursday was the, well, Thursday's the day that we're recording this. So on Wednesday, something really cool happened. And it's something that when I saw it happen, I had that feeling. I knew it was going to hit. I just thought it was it was something that they were going to do and it's the Steelers picked up miles Boykin third year man from Notre Dame. He was, this was a guy they were talking about possibly in the first round. Well, there wasn't a first round in the second round of 2000. I'm sorry, not 2019, 2020 in the draft where they took Claypool as their first pick, but it was in the second round. So what do you think about miles? I love this. Oh, I do too. It's a very interesting pickup. He's going to be a, a depth piece on the outside, but they'll absolutely work him into some packages because he's got a, he's got a, a he's got significant strengths and weaknesses. His strengths are he's he's a very good play action pass receiver, and by that I mean when the defense has been displaced from its original structure, which which is what play action does, and you get you get the defenders sort of moving out of their coverage zones. Uh, because of the run action, and then they have to recover and scramble. And Boykin's really good at finding the voids in defenses when uh, when uh, they're sort of off schedule like that. He's also a real big target at six four two twenty, and you know the Baltimore ran so much play action, and Lamar Jackson did a nice job of locating Boykin. And I expect the Steelers to be a much heavier uh, play action offense this year. So I think that he's a really good scheme fit in that regard his other strength is at 6'4 and 220 he's a big physical receiver he'll be a good blocker in the run game and he'll be a good guy going up to get uh get balls in the red zone so I mean those are those are areas where you're going to see him I, I think be used by the Steelers where he where he's not real good is in the three-step drop passing game against traditional coverages he doesn't he doesn't run great routes he doesn't he doesn't really recognize coverage as great. I saw a lot of instances when I was looking at his film for the film breakdown I did for the site where he doesn't he doesn't really make site recognitions or site adjustments, meaning like the defense rotates its coverage late or they give you, you know, I'll give you one example. Uh, there's a clip that I put in my film breakdown where uh, where Tennessee's playing off coverage and Boykin's got a got a go route. And the, the corner's 10 yards off him in, in cover four, and the corner's going to carry him up the field, and there's no way Boykin's going to run past him. Um, and Lamar Jackson sees it and throws a back shoulder fade, but Boykin just keeps taking the route vertical 
into into the coverage and you know the ball winds up sailing out of bounds and it's a clear miscommunication but you know Jackson was right and Boykin was wrong so those are areas where he's got to improve he's got to improve in a in a structured setting but in the play action game he's going to be really good so I'm excited about that could a veteran quarterback like Trubisky help him yeah absolutely and so much of what they did in Baltimore is stuff that I think the Steelers will do it was a lot of you when you, if you if you just pull up a highlight reel of him almost all the balls you see him catching are on some kind of play action or pocket movement and again i think that's a lot of what, what we're going to see from pittsburgh and i also think that having trubisky be familiar with that style of an offense will help acclimate him to pittsburgh it's not like he's a guy that's got to go into like a west coast passing offense where he would be he would not be if the Steelers were a west coast passing offense which is a lot of timing routes and a lot of sight adjustments meaning like the receiver and the quarterback have to see the coverage and they both have to understand the adjustment that has to be made and they both have to make it in real time if he if he was if he was coming into that kind of offense I would not be excited about this at all because I'd say man that guy's he's just got too much of a learning curve but, but with what we're going to do with him, what the Steelers are going to do with him, I think uh, he can fit in well. So I'm going to ask you this. There's been fragility concerns. Is that anything that uh, – is that just circumstance or is that something that, that made him available? Yeah, I think that's a little overblown, to be honest with you. His first two years, uh, he started – uh, 24 games in his first two years and um, last last season he had a hamstring in, injury in uh, preseason and it put him on the uh, the early season IR and he missed the first eight games because of it and hamstring injuries are really hard to come back yeah. from so so I wouldn't necessarily say that he's got an injury history I just think that he had an injury this past year and Baltimore sort of moved on from him and, and that made him expendable. Very good. I appreciate all of that. What does this do to the draft now? Makes him a lot less desperate to spend a number one. I know this guy's not a number one, but you can still you know get your guy at number two, possibly. Does this open up the idea that a lot of people thought that the Steelers were going to have to wait until after the draft and to try to get a, a veteran for maybe two years? This is a guy that uh, they can hold on to for a while. I know he only has like one or two, one year left on his contract, but it kind of makes sense that to have a young guy like this and to see if he could hook on. I don't think honestly it affects their draft strategy that much. I, I, I believe that if there's a guy they love in the first round, let's, let's say a guy like Jameson Williams from Alabama falls uh, somehow down to the, to the 20th pick. I think the Steelers would take him. I, I think maybe this maybe there's a, a prospect out there that the Steelers like more so than just about anybody else. For example, a guy like uh, like Traylon Burks from Arkansas, who's a really intriguing uh, prospect, who's going to fit in a certain system. Traylon Burks, like I just said about Boykin, if he if he gets drafted by the wrong team and they try to put him in the wrong offense. Uh, he's not he's I don't think that he's going to succeed but if he gets put in the right scheme and the right fit and they know how to use him he could be great maybe the Steelers really really love him and maybe if he's at 20 they take him I don't think Boykin will dissuade them from picking a receiver high 
But what I do think he does is he adds depth on the outside so that the Steelers can really focus on that slot position where Anthony Miller is like the only guy on the roster with any kind of experience in the slot. So I think that is what changes the calculus a little bit. You know what I also think that he does is he takes away the need to go ahead and spend two draft picks on wide receiver, which a lot of people thought that could be a possibility. I think that's 100% right. And the one thing I didn't mention when I was talking about him as a player is he's an excellent special teams player. And I know, I know Jeffrey Benedict's uh, working on a, a piece for the, for the website about his special teams play. Um, I think, honestly, if there's a comp for him, uh, in Pittsburgh in, in recent years, he's sort of a bigger, stronger Darius Haywood Bay. You know, I, I think he can give you the big play uh, ability, but where he's really going to make his mark is uh, on special teams. I think that he's, uh, you know, the guy's got 400 something snaps on special teams in Baltimore the last couple of years. Baltimore's always got good special teams. And I think that he's going to be able to be a nice depth piece, but also a, a special teams guy to upgrade. So, so two really smart free agent signings this offseason by the Steelers uh, that have bolstered their special teams, one being um, this one and the other one being our, our boy Gunner. Oh, Gunner. Oh, yeah. I'm, so I'm loving all of this. This is great. So what are your percentages, Kevin, that the Steelers don't draft a wide receiver in this 2022 draft? Don't draft one at all? Don't draft one at all. Uh, my percentage is zero. <laughs> so you're saying I, that <laughs> I would be I would be stunned if they do not draft a, a receiver. I'll be stunned if they don't take one in the first three rounds. I really think that they're going to. I really think they need to. Uh, but I just feel like right now they don't have to press for it. So you're saying that on April 30th, 2020, which is a Saturday, starting at 11 a.m., the Steelers are going to probably be celebrating a new wide receiver in black and gold. Is that true? I think so. All right. I'd be very surprised if they're not. Wouldn't you love to be at Heinz Field celebrating that that pick? Well, I love that was an excellent segue, Brian. <laughs> I was trying to disguise it. Thanks for <laughs> oh man. So yeah, there's the draft day party. Activities in that draft day party include appearances by Steeler Legends. Locker room access, face painting, passing, catching, kicking on the field in the north end of the stadium, various games in the UPMC club, watching some youth flag football games. You would love that. You'd be scouting. They're like, hey, want to move to Jersey? As well as photo opportunities with the Steeler Lombardi trophies, chance to win prizes from SNU, which is Steelers Nation Unite, and of course, the NFL draft on the big screen. In the past, the recent draft picks have made appearances there, and that's something that they, they strive to do. They try to uh, helicopter or fly those guys in. So that is a great thing. I had an opportunity to go to this, but I really didn't go to this, Kevin. Picture this, 2009, the Steelers win the Lombardi Trophy. I am at Heinz Field, and it's already, we're there early. It's already closing in on 90, and by 11 o'clock a.m., it's 92 degrees. And I've got an eight and a half month pregnant wife with my daughter, which was not a treat as far as uh, in utero. We knew she was going to, we didn't know she was going to have red hair, but we knew she was going to be uh, ornery. Let's just put it that way. Feisty. And so uh, we probably lasted there about 45 minutes and I missed the whole 
draft party, but there's no way I could stay. And it's pretty bad when your, your high school room, I mean, your college roommate who was back then the, uh, the guy that was always ending up in some kind of hot water and shenanigans that, uh, he looks at me and goes, dude, you got to take her home. You can't stay here any longer. I'm like, okay, yeah. So we left, and I never I never got down on the field, never got in the locker room, so I would love to go again. But it's your chance. So you've got to listen to six shows here, Kevin. You listen to all these shows, right? Yes, I do. All right. So go back to Monday morning, excuse me, Wednesday morning's Let's Ride and the War Room. Then on Thursday morning, go back and check out the Stat Geek and what Yin's talking about. Let's ride on Friday morning. And this show, this is the last show that's going to have them. And we're going to throw them in. We're, it's going to be early. It could be late. You've got to listen to the show to get it. There's no hidden message this time. We're doing random numbers. But when you put all the numbers together, you're going to have a code. You don't have to decipher what the code is. You just have to do the numbers. So it's going to be a 12-number code, and it has to do with jersey numbers. Now, Kevin, fine print. There's two requirements. Are you willing to do this if you win the contest, Kevin? Okay, let's go. I I don't know what this is. I'm, I'm a little nervous right now. You have to use the tickets. Oh, you have to use the tickets. Yeah, don't sign up if you're you can't go. Yeah, got it. That makes Clear sense it because th- there's only w- one person's going to get it. We don't want to waste these. Um. So yeah, just don't enter and leave the tickets unclaimed. The second stipulation is you've got to go look for BTSC podcaster Big Bro Sco and get a quick photo. We'll help you find them. Plus, Big Bro Sco is not hard to find, but. Now you got to get a, a selfie or a ussy uh, with a uh, big bro scout and it's, it'll be a fun time. And he's a, he's a good dude to hang out with, but you could also, you could tell him when you get there, Hey, bad said that you're going to buy me a pretzel or a souvenir drink and try to bug him for that. Now that's not in the official contest rules, but I think if you butter him up, you can probably get some grub out of him. Maybe a permani <laughs> sandwich. I don't know. So here we go. You ready to do this? Yeah, let's go. What do you got? Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. You cannot answer it. Okay. It's the jersey number of the the Steelers starting punt and kick returner in 1977. Once again, the jersey number of the Steelers starting punt and kick returner in 1977, Kevin. Are you picturing him? Because I can't. I think I have it. I think I I have it too. It could be one of two guys, but I think I've got it. Yeah. I could be off by a year, but I've got, I've definitely got a name and a number, but I could be off by a year. That's a Genesis song. I've got a name. (laughs) I've got a number and I'm coming after you. I always quote that after the draft, when we're trying to figure out the, uh, the draft number, the numbers of all the draftees, we, Michael Beck and I usually do that. We have that uh, contest with each other where we have this little bet and we try to win whoever predicts the right numbers. Last year, Najee Harris was easy for 22, but 
Some of them are, are tougher than others. We got Fryermuth wrong. We thought he'd get 87, but he got 88. So anyways, good contest. You in? Yeah, sounds excellent. Yeah, you're not in. You you work for BTSC, so you, yeah. you, you're not going. Yeah, okay. Right, but but these guys can. So with that being said, check this out. It'll be a great time. First one to get the entire code in is going to go ahead and win. So there's a we should have a winner after right after this show. What you have to do is you have got to go ahead and get this into Jeff Hartman. You email your answer to BNG Blitz. That's B-N-G-B-L-I-T-Z at gmail.com. The first correct answer will win the tickets. Remember, don't email each answer individually. It's emailing all six of them together at the end. There's no hidden message, just random numbers once again. And with that, we are going to take a break, and we are going to talk about what general managers and coaches think of with prospects and the lingo used by the analysts and the pundits. What's the difference? We've got a coach. We're asking him. We're doing it next on Here We Go, The Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is alongside me as always. This has become a yearly thing now. We're uh, we were only doing it in season. Now we're hanging out all year long. And man, I love my late weeknights with Kevin. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, especially uh, especially over the next ten days or so. A lot lots going to get written. A lot's going to get talked about. And um, it's very interesting when you listen to the way in which a lot of these prospects are just are described the strengths and the weaknesses and the things that pundits say about them. And then you consider the way in which coaches often look at them. And, um, I'm, and, and there's a lot of crossover and, and you read a lot of what's written as, as a coach and, uh, it's very, very accurate and you agree with it, but there's a lot that gets left out as well. There really is. Now, I mean, there there's a lot of uh there's stuff that you say on this show that i didn't really understand at first when you're talking about two technique and you're i mean even some people don't even understand the cover too some people do that but there's a lot of pundits out there that are saying things just to make you think that they know what they're talking about but is that really what the coaches are looking for what these guys are bringing up i think the two biggest things well, well before i say that a lot of what the pundits are doing is they're giving you a general evaluation and, and that's fair because they don't know who's going to draft these guys. So, so it's obviously very difficult for them to get real specific, but they're trying to sort of pinpoint strengths and weaknesses. And I think like with a lot of things, the pundits fall into this sort of group think and, and they all start to echo each other in regard to, to certain points uh, about, about a prospect. So for example, let, let, let's talk quarterbacks for a second. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the criticism of quarterbacks will have to do with technique work. And 
sometimes you you know a phrase that I that I sometimes get you know I roll my eyes at when I hear pundits talk about it is is this phrase uh, off platform when they're when they're talking about whether or not a quarterback can make throws off platform and I mean what that means is can a quarterback make throws where he's not uh, set in the pocket his feet aren't set his arm angle isn't you know a, a a normal arm angle it doesn't look like seven on seven when he's standing back there and there's no pass rush and he's just throwing the ball again on, on air can he make those plays when he's forced to to sort of move out of the pocket uh throw from a different arm angle throw without getting his feet set etc and that's a big that's a big deal to be able to do that uh and and obviously you know you look at certain systems for example the Steelers didn't ask Ben Roethlisberger to do that much but they're going to ask Mitchell Trubisky to do it a lot I guess my frustration sometimes is that those those evaluations often come without context they'll say something along the lines of uh this quarterback struggles off platform what does that mean you know like I mean does that mean that he can't do these things or does does that mean that the the system he was in didn't really allow for him to do it very much because it was such a quick passing game. Uh, does it mean he had a horrendous offensive line and uh, there was constant pressure in his face so that, you know, he was asked to make like really difficult throws from bad arm angles. I just, I get, I feel as though a lot of these phrases come without much context and that doesn't give us a complete picture of the person being evaluated. All right, that's really interesting. Thanks so much for that. You know, that does make a whole heck of a lot of sense. So what other phrases out there bother you when you're hearing a talking head, when you're seeing the lips move and what's coming out of it is a whole bunch of malarkey and it's not Mike? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess so long speed, that's another, that's another phrase you hear a lot. You'll say like, people will say, uh, this guy doesn't have great long speed, which essentially means that he he might have a uh, uh, he might have a burst, but he doesn't really keep he, he doesn't gather speed as he as he moves down the field. Um, that doesn't bother me as a coach, to be quite honest with you. When I look at prospects on film, uh, because how often do you really see, unless maybe you're talking about an outside receiver. Uh, or a corner who's covering that outside receiver. How, how often do you see guys running 40-yard sprints down the field? So I've always thought that the 40-yard dash at the combine is such an overrated statistic. It's, it's such an arbitrary distance to, to, to choose as a means of evaluating speed because you know, so rarely are, are guys involved in 40-yard sprints. The, the, the splits, the 10- and 20-yard splits are so much more instructive. The the, the 20 yard cone drills are so much more instructive because those mimic football movements. Uh, I was, I was talking about Traylon Burks earlier in the show, the wide receiver from Arkansas, and he ran a four five five at the combine. He's a big dude. He's six two two twenty five. but that four five five in a year where there was a lot of really fast 40 times this year at the combine, some of the pundits have said, Oh, well, you know, he doesn't have great long speed. But I'll tell you what, when I, when I put on his film, uh, I saw him hit a lot of home runs, uh, you know, 90-yard touchdown reception, 81-yard touchdown reception, uh, some jets, long jet sweeps. You know what I never saw happen? I never saw him get caught. I never saw him get caught from behind. 
So whether he's got long speed or not, whether he, whether he ran a four, five, five 40 or whatever, he uh, translates every bit of his speed to the football field. Uh, if you show me a guy who's playing in the SEC, who's breaking long runs and never getting caught, that dude's fast. And so again, that's another pundit phrase that I don't think tells a complete picture. Here's one that I use a whole heck of a lot, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm putting you on the spot here. You've heard me for about two years now. Is there any that you can think that I throw out there? Because there's a few I do. Mm, not, not that comes to the top of my head. What do you, what do you got? Where, where, where do you punted it up? I'm a big combat catcher. <laughs> combat catcher. Okay. All right. I like that phrase, actually. Combat catchers. Uh, because I mean, cause actually it sounds like what it means when you say combat catch, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, this is a guy that could go into traffic and come down with it after getting knocked around. James Washington was a really good combat catcher. I thought he was a very good combat catcher. Uh, James Washington, unfortunately, I always said about him, he did the hard things really well, but, but, uh, he failed to do the, the simple things. Um, and, but but yeah, I mean, if, if you're a combat catcher, right? Yeah, that absolutely uh, tells people that, you know, you're going to, you, know, you, you can battle for the ball in traffic. Um, and, you know, I, I, that phrase doesn't really bother me because again, it, it, sometimes I like the visual of these things. You know, when you tell me that a quarterback, you know, uh, well, he can't make throws off platform. What, the, what does that mean? I don't, you, I don't know what you're what you're referring to specifically when you tell me a guy's a combat catcher i can i can visualize that and uh and and it it sort of translates to the to the nature of football too here's another one that's being overused and i use it all the time sideline to sideline guy yeah yeah um that phrase again you know it for me that most often applies to linebackers and you know i mean does it it, it essentially it references his uh, his lateral speed. Does this guy have lateral speed? Can he make plays laterally? But it's a bit overrated because what we think sometimes about linebackers, uh, you know, not being able to get to to the let's say an offense runs an outside zone play and 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 Devin Bush can't get there uh, in time to to stop the back before he turns upfield outside the C gap. Um, well, sometimes that's not Devin Bush's job. I mean, linebackers have specific fits in the run game. They have uh, meaning like there's there's gaps that they're supposed to fit or fill. Sometimes teams r- run line stunts uh, where where you know the the fit is predetermined, and so you're going to that spot regardless of what what the offense does. Sometimes teams are running stunts where the strong safety and the linebacker are, are swapping responsibilities. So so you might have the backer, you know, fit inside on one play and the strong safety complement him by fitting over the top. And then you might switch it where the strong safety fits inside and the backer fits over the top. So it's not as simple as, you know, does this guy just run sideline to sideline? It's a lot more complex based upon what, you know, what he's being assigned to do on the field. You get the feeling that Mike Tomlin doesn't listen to pundits whatsoever. You know, he's probably going down the road, jamming to, uh, 80s and 90s on Sirius. He's got he's got boys to men going. He's got some Duran Duran going. He's he's just going down the highway, just uh singing hungry like the wolf and not listening to these the Adam Schefters and these guys talking about all these draft picks. 
First of all, I would pay money to watch Mike Tomlin drive down the highway singing Hung- Hungry Like a Wolf. That, that's, <laughs> that's a fantastic visual. But uh, second of all... He, he, he can hit some boys to men, too, because he's got... He's got that little bit of a deep voice, so uh, I, I want to hear uh, him crooning like "I'll make love to you," or uh, or even even I want to hear "It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday." <laughs> um, that might ruin his image in the locker room. You know? <laughs> He's supposed to be a tough guy. Let, but, let's get uh, back to hungry like the wolf. Then there you yeah. go. But I I do think that he he and the Steelers in general have their their own evaluation process, which which has been really effective. It's, you know, I, I read an article today uh, about a study that football outsiders did where they, they tracked uh, draft results over the last 10 years. And what they were basically doing is they were evaluating teams on an interesting criteria. And the criteria was what was their available draft capital? Meaning like at what, where were, where were they drafting where were they selecting in the draft late in rounds for the Steelers most of the time because of the success they've had and how many picks did they have in each draft? And then they were comparing it to the returns that they got uh, when, while using that draft capital. So in essence, what they were, what they were evaluating was, you know, how well did you do in the draft with what you had? So of course, like the Browns who, who, who so often over the last 10 years have picked near the top of the draft, they should be, producing some of the best returns because of their available draft capital. Well, it it probably won't surprise you that the Steelers are one of the best teams in the league over the last 10 years using that criteria. They ended up uh, being ranked fourth in football outsider study uh, for, you know, in essence, draft capital versus draft return. So what that says is what this, with what the Steelers have had to work with in the draft, which is generally drafting, late somewhere in the 20s in each round they have produced excellent returns uh with that capital they've they've drafted guys who can play and i think a a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh their their criteria is probably a little bit different they know what they're looking for they you know we know certain things about the steelers they they don't draft offensive tackles in the first round they tend not to draft wide receivers in the first round they tend not to draft corners in the first round. That's just something that they've that they believe in. They love linebackers early. Uh, they love they they've drafted some defensive linemen early. Um, they've got a formula that they that they seem to stick by, and it's been very effective. Here's the thing: we were just talking about how the Steelers pick, and you mentioned that they were in the top four, number four. Wasn't that? all NFC teams ahead of them. Seattle was number one and Dallas was three, but I don't remember who was two. I believe New Orleans was in there for some New Orleans. Okay. I was someone, I think it was the saints, but I, I could be mistaken, but there's uh there's so much data out there. It might be something completely different, but I remember the Steelers at four, but number one in the conference, when you're looking at how well they draft, does yeah. it ever frustrate you when they draft somebody that you think they shouldn't, but delight you later on when you can just sit there and go, yep, I was wrong. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, that's, I, I there's a, a lot of the time. I don't know much about, the guys they draft and as a lifelong Steeler fan and I'm, I'm sure that you're the same way I, I just simply say okay they 
they they know what they're what they're looking for and they, they know more about this person than I do and yeah I, I focus a lot on I'll, you know I'll know a lot about the guys in the first couple of rounds but you get to the fourth round and most of these guys are unknowns occasionally you hear a name you recognize and you say oh that's a good pick and a lot of times people say that because they recognize the name they don't really necessarily yeah. know if it's a good pick or not but um but usually I just kind of nod and go okay and and let you know let's let's see why they liked this guy that that's what I like to that's what I like to, to think about. I'll, I'll give you one that, that jumps out. Um, Vince Williams, sixth round draft pick back in 2012. I think he was taken. Um, 13. 13. Okay. So, so Vince Williams was uh, a guy I, I'd never heard of, never knew a thing about. I didn't know anything about him coming out of college. Uh, first preseason game, I saw Vince Williams right away. I was like, damn, I love that guy. And I totally know why the Steelers picked him. You know, you can, there's just certain players that feel like Steeler players. I think, I think one of the big criteria, if, if, if we kind of come back to a little bit of what we were talking about, about the way that coaches see, see things is, uh, is that they, they have a feel and they have a fit that, that attracts them to players. Uh, the feel, meaning when, when they look at players, do, do, they ha- do they get a sense, this guy can work for us? Uh, that, and a lot of that has nothing to do with measurables and metrics and, and pundit talk and any of that kind of stuff. It just has to do with uh, when you get around a person and you get a sense of who they are and how they operate and how they think, and then you pair that up with their film. Uh, you, and you, I, I, think it's very, I think it's instinctual. I think that there's, a, that there's an instinct and a sense about certain guys uh, that, you know, hey, this guy's going to fit here. And I, and I think that, that Tomlin is big on that. He's, he's very attracted to Malik Willis right now. And I don't know what they, – they seem to have had really good chemistry. And I don't know what specifically it was that created that chemistry. But you can tell that Tomlin believes that that guy feels like a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback or the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback he wants. Uh, and if somehow Willis is sticking around at 20, I'd bet my house that the Steelers take him. Absolutely. If they trade up, will you be like, come on, guys? Or will you be like, all right, they know something we don't. I mean, I've watched a decent amount of his film and I, I can see his strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and they're, they're, what I see is what a lot of the people who have evaluated them see. They see a, a super athletic guy uh, who, with a rocket arm, who, um, you know, just has, has an incredible, incredibly high ceiling. But they also see a guy who didn't play in a real pro style offense, who who struggles when he has to uh, come off of his initial read and 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 really start to diagnose the defense, and who can be inaccurate at times. And he's a guy that's got to sit. And uh, I mean, I, if you throw him in uh, as your week one starter, and he's not prepared, he's going to look terrible. And that's a good way to ruin a young quarterback. So if he comes to Pittsburgh and sits behind Trubisky uh, for a year, maybe even two, to me, that's not a bad thing at all. I would not be disappointed if they, if they uh, wound up with, with him. And uh, unless of course they, they decided they're going to move heaven and earth to get him, and they, and they, you know, traded a lot of draft capital. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic stuff. So when you think about anything that the pundits say, you kind of feel that the Steelers, they just do their own thing, right? Yeah, I, I really do. I, every I know this for a fact. Every professional 
football team, all, all 32 of the teams subscribe to one of two scouting services uh, who, who scout literally thousands of, of draft eligible players and make that entire database available to NFL teams. And then NFL teams decide from that massive database what 10% or so of those draft eligible players are actually draft worthy. And then they begin to hone in in that sense. So, so I think in the big picture, the Steelers, like everybody else in the league, will uh, use some of the information that they get from these scouting services. But when it comes to the actual you know, nuts and bolts of the process. I think the Steelers trust themselves more than anybody else. All right. Well, that's fantastic, Kevin. Thanks so much. This has been some great talk leading up to the draft. This is our last pre-draft show because next week when we're recording, we are going to already know who the Steelers pick is and you will hear us talk about him in depth on friday at noon so make sure you check us out but check out btsc for all of your pittsburgh steeler needs whether it is on the editorial side man they are gearing up guys like andrew wilbar and bradley locker and jeremy betts and of course dave schofield of course jeff hartman of course jeffrey benedict and the kevin smiths and and the Michael Becks, and I throw in some stuff there, and the Tony Defios, man, everybody's, Shannon White, everybody's writing articles and getting ready for this. And then on the podcast side, we're gearing up. Make sure you check out Wednesday night's Steelers Power Half Hour. Chris Pugh of the Ohioans in the Steelers Power Half Hour. He knows a lot about Columbus. He's a Columbus guy. He knows a lot about the Buckeyes. He's a Buckeyes fan. He had a chance to talk about the chance for the Steelers to go back to that Buckeye well. So check out that show. Check out what Ian's talking about. And definitely check out the next stuff coming in as well. So check all that out. It is going to be definitely fun. I'm going to ask you a question real quick, Kevin. It's not about the Steelers, but it's the other lures in town. The Maulers. Did you get a chance to check the Pittsburgh Maulers out? I did. I actually, I, actually, I actually watched most of that game. The Pittsburgh Maulers were under the impression that it was still 1985 <laughs> because they were running like eight man line, two tight ends, trying to, they just might as well have lined up and run into a literal brick wall because they were, that was, that, was, that offense was a little rough, wasn't it? After the first quarter, I had hashtag Kirby Wilson on my mind. Fire Kirby Wilson, excuse me. Hashtag fire Kirby Wilson. Man, that was dreadful. And if you're firing guys over pizza versus chicken salad, come on. Chicken yeah. salad sucks. I want pizza. That, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. I don't I don't know how true that is, but that's the report coming out. But yeah, the ballers have good looking uniforms. They just kind of man, it even it combines the bad colors, purple and orange, but when you put it on Pittsburgh, it's not a bad thing. No, no, but they, I think they got confused where it said, it said maulers. I think that they, they didn't understand that they were supposed to be doing the mauling, you know, they, and they, not they being at the mall, not shopping at Claire's at the mall. No, 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 no. It was bad. Yeah. Going past sunglass hut, you know, get an orange Julius and that, you know, come on, let's get it back together. I think they have Philadelphia this weekend. So Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, Let's get a win there. But more important, let's get ready for this draft. So much good stuff. I cannot wait. We need you to do three things for us here. 
And it's one, be safe. Two, be true to yourself. And three, always be behind the steel curtain. Kevin, you want to take us out with my line? Keep your feet on the ground and... Keep reaching for the hypocycloids. I love it. We'll see you next time, my friends. Yeah.